Happy New Year! Are you guys excited? We have a new year ahead of us. Like, eh, maybe. It's good to be with you this morning. It's pretty exciting to come here on the first day of a new year to worship and uh, to focus our attention on Jesus. And uh, so I'm glad to be here. I'm glad you're here. What a year 2022 was, right? Uh, I'm not sure what your year looked like last year, um, but like Jared said, I've always felt like the start of a new year was a great time to kind of reflect on the past year and then, you know, look ahead to the new year. What's next? Whatever your 22 was like, I imagine that on New Year's Eve 2021, uh, you didn't expect what would happen in 2022, right? I mean, it's just full of ups and downs. Life is so unpredictable, so many variables in life. It's much more important than as followers of Jesus Christ to be grounded in our faith in an unchanging God because life is always changing. So many twists and turns. Life is fleeting. It's here one day and gone the next, right? It's a vapor, the Bible tells us. Everything in this world is susceptible to deterioration, to theft, to ruin. Just this past year, as I mentioned to you guys, well, this is our first year here in Burleson, and it's been a great year, but you know, there's been some things that have fallen apart. Our roof needed replacing soon after we moved in. Our AC went out in August, praise Jesus. <laughs> our animals needed to see the vet a couple times. You know, as you know, my wife was diagnosed with cancer this year, and praise God, she is cancer-free today. But uh, the list goes on, right? Things that break down and don't go as planned. You know, I learned even uh, just this week, I learned that a, a friend of mine, a former church member of our church in St. Louis as we were there, uh, was in a terrible car accident in September that severed his spine. He's now paralyzed from the larynx down. He's a wife and two teenage children. You know, I learned of this. You know, Facebook, you know, unless you follow certain people, you don't ever hear what's going on. So I didn't know, but I found out. And so I reached out to the wife and said, hey, you know, man, we love you guys. We're so sorry. We're praying for you. And she replied and thanked me, and this is what she said. We learn so much and certainly are drawn closer to our faithful Lord in times of trouble. Have you found that to be true? And then there's the world around us that's going to pot, right? Uh, Russia invading Ukraine and the absolute devastation that that has brought. Natural disasters, we still see those. Weather, mass shootings, the economy's in the tank. Inflation's at its worst in, I don't know, 40-some years. The list goes on of other things that are going south. Are you encouraged yet? <laughs> Happy New Year. <laughs> uh, you know, as you think about all that and all the realities of life, you know, if anyone were to ever put their hope in anything in this world, you will walk away gravely disappointed, right? Uh the secret, I think, to understanding and, and then navigating life on earth in a world that's so uncertain is this. We have a faithful God who never changes. If we're not grounded in our faith as followers of Jesus in a faithful God, 
life is just going to be one series of disappointments after another. One series of letdowns after another. You know, the Apostle John kind of summed it up this way in how to overcome the world. He says in 1 John 5, everyone born of God overcomes the world. This is the victory that's overcome the world, even our faith. Who is it that overcomes the world? Only the one who believes that Jesus is the Son of God. Do you believe that Jesus is the Son of God today? As a believer in Christ, we've already overcome the world because of our position in Jesus Christ, as Jairus so eloquently said this morning. We are a new creation. We are new in Christ. That is our eternal position in Christ. And Jesus said, I have overcome the world. If you're in Jesus, you're an overcomer. He defeated sin and death at the cross. And there's nothing in this world that he has not already announced victory over. The key, though, for us as followers of Jesus, I believe, is to continue to have faith in Jesus throughout our life. So that, so that our, our experience in life can reflect the biblical reality that we read of. So this morning, what I'd like to do is just finish a message that I started a couple weeks ago before Christmas. I have a habit of being very ambitious in my points on a Sunday morning, and it's always to be continued. That's my New Year's resolution. Don't bite off more than you can chew. There's just so much in the Bible that God speaks to us about, and it's just, you know, it just flows out sometimes. But I want to finish that message looking again at Isaiah's prophecy in Isaiah chapter 9 and verse 6. Do you want to turn there? We're just going to look at that one verse, and we'll go to a few others, but I think this prophecy of Isaiah concerning the person of Jesus Christ is about the Messiah who would come and all that he would bring when he came. He is the one that will help us experience victory, as he said he's already accomplished in this world. Look with me at Isaiah chapter 9 and verse 6. As I turn there myself. Isaiah 9 and verse 6. It's in the Old Testament, right? I'm just learning the Bible. It's right before 2nd Isaiah, right? Isaiah 9 and verse 6 says this. For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given... And the government will be upon his shoulders. And his name will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Father, we just ask for help once more in this time this morning. This new first day of 2023, please grant us perspective this morning, God. Thank you for the faithful who are here this morning. Come to worship, to hear from you. I am one of those that have come to hear. I need uh, this message just as much, if not more, than everyone here this morning. May your spirit have uh, free reign in our hearts. Do the work that you have brought us here to do, Lord, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. We've already looked at the first two names that Isaiah said Jesus would be given. Wonderful Counselor. 
and mighty God. Because Jesus is the, the greatest counselor that you or uh, I uh, would ever need. Anyone actually would ever need in this life. Why? Because Jesus, as the almighty God, the, the wonderful counselor, the wonder of a counselor, as it little, literally reads, knows us inside and out, doesn't he? He knows our thoughts. He knows our hearts. He knows our innermost struggles. So he's able to counsel us in the innermost part of our being. That's what's great about Jesus as the wonderful counselor. He counsels us where all the issues of life flow, the heart. But he's also a mighty God that Isaiah said that he can empower us then to overcome in this world. Any obstacle, any temptation, any tragedy of life, Jesus gives us the power to be victorious. It's that very same power that one day raised us all from the dead and translate us into glory with God, our new home in heaven. He is also, Jesus, the mighty God, that one day every knee on heaven and in earth will bow to. Hallelujah, what a Savior, amen? I mean, what a Savior we have. But that's not all. Because if you order now, not only would Jesus be this free gift that God would send to, to us, and if you notice in your bulletin, the first two points were Jesus, the free psychotherapist, because he can counsel and is the greatest counselor. He's also one who would bring us free power. It's available to us without cost. We'd also receive from Jesus a free parent as he would be the everlasting father or the eternal father. You notice all the points start with free, so I had to keep with the alliteration. I'm OCD that way. That's another New Year's resolution. But we have a free parent. Jesus would be the eternal father. Now, that's not a reference to God the Father because each member of the triune God is a distinct person. Three persons, one God. We understand that as much as we can uh, as believers this morning. But that's a reference to God the Son who will provide a, a fatherly kind of reign throughout eternity. Warren Wearsby tells us that father of eternity is a better translation. Among the Jews, the word father means originator or source. For example, Satan is known to be the father of lies, right? And so if you want anything eternal or everlasting, you have to get it from Jesus Christ. He is the father of eternity. Does that help make a little more sense as to what Isaiah was saying? I kind of think the emphasis really here is on Jesus as the originator or the source of time and eternity. He holds our lives and our futures in His hands. The truth is, is that we're already living out our eternity right now. I hope we understand that. Our life will never end as a believer in Jesus Christ because Jesus experienced our death for us. Jesus told Mary, if you recall this uh, interaction with Jesus and Mary at the passing of Lazarus, he says, I am the resurrection and the life. 
the one who believes in me will live even though they die. And then he said, and whoever lives by believing in me will never die. I think that statement from Jesus can really be applied in a couple ways. First, when, when, a first, uh, when a person first believes in Jesus Christ for the very first time, they are gifted eternal life quantitatively. In other words, they will spend eternity with God. That is what I think Jesus meant when he said, the one who believes in me will live even though he died. Even though a believer may die physically, they still will spend the rest of their days throughout eternity in their eternal future with Jesus Christ. Does that make sense? That quantitative side of eternal life? And that's something that I hope all of us have come to uh, understand this morning. As Jairus, again, did a great job of explaining the gospel. Listen, uh, being granted eternal life is a one-time thing, folks. The very first time that a person recognizes that Jesus is the Son of God, that He came to this earth to die, to shed His blood, to give His life, to bury our sin, to cleanse us of all of our sin. And he says, whoever believes in me will have eternal life. If you believe in Jesus, you have eternal life. Signed, sealed, delivered, right? It's yours. You will live forever with God. What a blessing. But there's so much more to it as well. Because Jesus also went on to say, whoever continues to live on earth by faith in me will experience life. I think he's referring to really the abundant life. That's the, the qualitative aspect of our life on earth. Life lived by faith in Jesus here and now always produces fruit of some kind. It always produces life when you live by faith in Jesus. Jesus is the father both of our quantitative and our qualitative life. He's in control of our time and our eternity. I think the question for us here this morning is, are we continuing to live day by day in faith in Jesus Christ, by faith in Jesus, the father of eternity, the father of our days, the father of our future? I think the secret to all this is, is our faith. Trusting in God through every circumstance of life. Whether it's a life-altering event like my friends, or maybe a seemingly insignificant circumstance in your life. Do you trust in Jesus, the Father of eternity, the Father of your eternity? David prayed this in Psalm 31 and verses 14 and 15. But I trust in you, Lord. I say, you are my God. My times are in your hands. Do we pray that each day? I read a book, uh, I think last year. I'm, uh, the name of it um, escapes my mind because I'm 50 now. <laughs> it escaped my mind last year, too. But I read a book, and, and uh, it's just a great book about the Christian life, and 
there was an illustration in that book that I uh, heard again recently through a message, and I just want to try to share it with you a little bit to help us understand living the Christian life by faith. But it talks about a, a man who's on a road, he's on a journey, and he comes to a fork in the road, and there's two paths that he can choose. And there's a sign at each path, and one path that goes this direction says, pleasing God. And then he looks at this path going the other direction, and it says, trusting God. And he's a little confused. He's like, I don't know. They both sound good. You know? But I, you know, I want to please God with my life. I mean, that's really what I want my life to, to be about, pleasing God. I want to do what God wants me to do. I want to live the way that God wants me to live. And so he takes the path called pleasing God, and when he gets to the end of that road, he finds a huge building there with a door, and he walks up to that door, and he turns the knob, and he walks in, and he sees a room full of people, and there's a lot of chatter, a lot of things going on, but he sees at the back of that room a big banner that says, the room of good intentions, and as he's welcomed in, he's asked by the hostess, uh, or host, I don't know which one it was, but he says, hey, how are you doing? Welcome, how are you doing? And what he shared was, you know, really I'm not, I'm not that good because I've been struggling for a long time in this Christian life. You know, I've, I felt so empty. I'm always trying to strive to please God. And, you know, and I saw this road and here I am and I just want to please God with my life. And, and, and the hostess quickly shushes him and says, and hands him a mask. And as he looks around, the entire room is filled with people all wearing masks. And he quickly learns to put the mask on and keep his struggles and his problems to himself. Because everyone in the room's fine. Really, they're fine. Well, he wasn't in that room in that building very long before he got discouraged and realized this isn't really helping me much. <laughs> so he left and he went and chose the other path that said, trusting God. And he came to the end of that path, and a, a similar situation was there. A similar building was there, and he went into that building, opened the door, went in, and walked in. And again, there's this big hall, and this big room, and it's full of people. And at the back of the room, he sees a banner that says, Chick-fil-A. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> but he says, uh, the room, welcome to the room of grace. And then the hostess welcomes him in and asks him again, hey, how you doing? He's like, oh, he's a little unsure this time because <laughs> he was shushed last time. Uh, I'm fine, I'm fine. No, really, I'm fine. And the hostess says, really, are you, are you fine? Because the folks in this room really aren't all that fine. And he says, well, really, honestly, you know, I've been struggling and, you know, I... Uh, I've had these issues in my life, and I'm trying to figure out how to, how to live for God and to find contentment, fulfillment, and joy. And he begins to share some of the hardships and struggles that he did. And someone from the back of the room yells out, Is that all you got? And they begin to share their struggles that were so similar. And he knows that no one in that room is wearing masks. And the point of the story is, and I hopefully uh, communicate that well enough that you understand, the point of the story is this. Hebrews eleven six tells us, without faith, it's impossible to please God. 
We can endeavor to please God. We can endeavor to do more, to resolve, to do this more, to strive harder, to be better. But we can do all of that without trusting God. Do we realize that this morning? Isn't it easy to go through the motions and to do the things maybe out of habit that we know we should do and this will please God and God wants me to do this and all the while never really trusting God in every circumstance of our life? Do we trust Jesus, the originator, the source of our time and eternity? Because therein lies the key to navigating life in an uncertain world. He is the eternal Father. And the last point that I want to share in, in Isaiah 9-6 is that not only would God promise us a Messiah who would be a wonderful counselor, a mighty God, an everlasting Father, but He also would provide us free peace as He would be called the Prince of Peace. Now, keep in mind, this is written, I think, around 700 B.C., before Jesus even showed up on the scene. Isaiah, as the prophet of God, spoke for God as God gave him a message to communicate to the nation of Israel. And so he's speaking to this nation around 700 B.C. who lived in constant conflict as a nation. They were always in conflict with the surrounding nations. And actually, Israel has lived in conflict ever since that time. Even to the point where, for, for years, they weren't even recognized as a nation. The world's hated and oppressed Israel for centuries. That still continues today. It was midnight on May 14, 1948, that a provisional government of Israel was proclaimed. Uh, and they proclaimed a, a new state of Israel. And on that same date, the U.S. and the person of President Truman recognized the provisional Jewish government as the de facto authority of the Jewish state. And Israel was recognized again as a nation. And then they've been in peace ever since. Yeah, right. Right? When you think of Israel, do you think, oh, what a, what a nation that's been in peace for so long. Though they're recognized as a state... Still in much conflict. People still hated them. The Palestinians, uh, Hamas, fighting over the Gaza Strip, right? Even as recently as uh, 2021. Anti-Semitism is still on the rise, isn't it? I mean, I just saw a commercial, I think, yesterday, you know, uh, calling people to stand up against Jewish hate. What is it about this nation, this little nation, that seems to be the target of so much criticism and anger and hatred? Israel never really has known peace. And so when Isaiah prophesied that a coming Messiah, a Savior, would come and he would be the Prince of Peace, I imagine that was a very welcome message, wouldn't you think? for a nation in conflict. But they misunderstood the peace that Jesus would bring. When He did come, when Jesus did show up on the scene in the birth of Jesus and, and, and through His earthly life, 
The nation of Israel, the Jews, did not recognize Jesus as the Prince of Peace, did they? They actually sought to destroy him. Even Jesus' closest followers, many of which who were Jewish, thought that Jesus had come to bring earthly peace in, like it was prophesied. He's going to be the one to rule and to reign, and he's going to eradicate our enemies once and for all. And they were excited. When will your kingdom come, Lord? When are you going to set it up? They were ready. Finally, peace. But that was not the kind of peace that Jesus would bring. Because the kingdom that he would usher in would not be a physical kingdom, not at this time at least, where he would rule with power, but as a spiritual kingdom where Jesus would rule and reign in the hearts of his followers. But Isaiah's prophecy still did have a direct application to the nation of Israel. Jesus will, in fact, come back one day to rule and to reign on earth and eliminate all of his enemies. That time is called the millennial kingdom. It's a thousand-year reign of Christ on earth, and maybe you're familiar with that. But there's going to be a war fought by Christ himself when he comes to earth from heaven with the armies of heaven, including all of us who have believed in Jesus Revelation tells us about, I want to read it to you, it's on the screen here, but Revelation 19, 11 through 16, tell us this. John is given this vision. He says, I saw heaven standing open, and there before me was a white horse whose rider is called Faithful and True. With justice he judges and wages war. His eyes are like blazing fire, and on his head are many crowns. He has a name written on him that no one knows but he himself. He is dressed in a robe dipped in blood, and his name is the Word of God. The armies of heaven were following him. Yay, that's us. Riding on white horses and dressed in fine linen and white and clean. Coming out of his mouth is a sharp sword with which to strike down the nations. He will rule them with an iron scepter. He treads the winepress of the fury of the wrath of God Almighty. On his robe and on his thigh he has the name written, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Are you looking forward to that day? We are those ones, as far as I understand it, riding along behind Jesus on white horses, following our King of Kings into the final battle, the ultimate battle. Shayla has told me that uh, she has prayed to God if she can ride our miniature horse, Pee-wee, in that time. I said, babe, I don't know that that's going to be possible. That would be funny, though. It's fitting because she'd probably be late again, but anyway. We don't know exactly what that will look like, but what we are sure about is this. Jesus, the Prince of Peace will finally one day usher in a time of eternal peace when he destroys all the nations and he will rule and he will reign, right? That's the only kind of peace that we'll ever have that's lasting is when Jesus is ruling. And I don't see him on the ballot coming up here soon. Until that time, though, Israel will continue to live in conflict as we will. We're still going to experience conflict 
I think it's important for believers to understand that world peace is not an option in our time. A lot of people think it is, and we're always trying for that, and there's nothing wrong with trying to bring about peace, but we need to understand that. We can't even seem to find peace with our neighbors and family, right, that lasts very long, let alone our fellow countrymen or our world. We can't even seem to find peace with one another as the family of God. You ever heard of a church split? Yeah, maybe one in history. We can't even seem to get along with each other. That's because the Prince of Peace hasn't come back to usher in this peace as described. But he will because he is coming. He promised to return. He promised to bring peace on earth. And he's the sovereign God who's working all things according to that plan. But the Prince of Peace is still ruling and reigning in the hearts of his people. That is, if we allow him. The Bible speaks a lot about the peace that Jesus offers. I imagine that a verse comes to your mind right now, doesn't it? When you hear about the peace of Christ. There's roughly, I think, 93 some references to peace in, in the New Testament alone. The kind of peace that I think is available to us here today and the kind of peace that I think we should seek to find in our lives on earth is the peace of Christ that can rule and reign in our hearts. The Apostle Paul described it this way, he says in Colossians 3, let or allow the peace of Christ to rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in one body and be thankful. You notice that the, the peace of Christ is something that we have to allow to rule in our hearts. And the only way to allow the peace of Christ to rule in our hearts is to allow Jesus to rule our hearts. To let Him call the shots. To let Him be sovereign over every instance and circumstance and trouble that we find in our hearts. Because there is no lasting or true far-reaching peace apart from the peace that Jesus offers when we learn to trust Him in every facet of life. But you have to invite Him in to be part. Think for a moment of the areas of your life that cause you the most turmoil and strife. Think about that for just a moment. What brings you the most anxiety and stress? Maybe it's financial troubles. Maybe it's marital struggles. Maybe it's another relational conflict or family or coworkers or a boss or anything else in this life that causes the division or the stress or the anxiety or the tension. We all have it. Now I want to ask you to do something in the most honest way that you can in this moment. Ask yourself this question sincerely. Have I invited Jesus into that area of my life? Have I honestly, sincerely, and prayerfully come to Jesus and asked Him, Lord, I need your help 
in this area of struggle in my life. Because Jesus told us in John 16, these things I've spoken to you so that in me you may have peace. In the world you have tribulation, but take courage, I have overcome the world. If I were to describe my 2022 in one word, peace would not be the word I would choose, right? Not your fault at all. I love you guys. You guys have brought a tremendous amount of joy and peace in our lives. And I, we so, we're so thankful, by the way, that God brought us here to Burleson Bible Church at the time he did. We couldn't imagine experiencing all that we did in 2022 without you guys. And I mean that. Sincerely. I certainly have found peace of heart and mind throughout the year. But if I'm honest, it was far more difficult to find that peace at times. Even after all these years of knowing Jesus as my Savior, knowing the peace that He offers, understanding the verses that talk about that, I still find myself trying to find some kind of peace apart from Jesus. And it may not be even intentional sometimes. Try to solve my own problems first. You know, I try to reconcile relationships on my own first, right? I want to eradicate, eradicate the threats in my life, in my own strength, my own ingenuity. I'll figure something out, right? But the problem is, is I'm not that smart. There are a lot of people who are more smarter. <laughs> I'm not that persuasive with people. I'm, I'm not just, I'm not that creative or to, to find solutions. And when you look back and you think about all the, the times where there's trouble or strife or turmoil or problems, and you think about all the efforts you make to struggle in that and to find uh, peace and a resolution or whatever, you know what all that does really? It just brings more exhaustion and burnout, not peace. Until I look to Jesus, the Prince of Peace. I had this conversation with my wife. Um, you know, it doesn't matter how long I've been in, in some kind of conflict or turmoil. A lot of it's internal. You know, I internalize things a lot, you know, and I kind of uh, feel things deeply. And so I kind of get prone to mood swings, I think. You know, I can be like really high, high, or, but then when the lows hit, you know, I get low. And it's like, it doesn't matter how long, though, that I find myself struggling or in conflict or down or anxious, when I get away for just a few moments, a lot of times it's when I come into the office here and I open up the Word of God and I just start reading the Word of God. There's a peace that comes over me that I just can't explain. And it's just a matter of seconds. How do you explain that? I mean, it really is a supernatural thing, isn't it? And I think it's the peace of Christ. It's just God reminding me of the truth about me and about Him, that He loves me unconditionally. No matter what I'm experiencing, no matter 
if I look around and I feel like I don't see God working, where are you, Lord? And why, why am I going through this? Or, you know, why is this happening? All I have to do is just take a few moments, stop, and set my mind on the Prince of Peace. And he does it. And it doesn't matter how big the problem is or small it may be. Jesus brings me peace. I have to invite him. You have to invite him into your life, day to day, in every circumstance, great or small. Jesus said in Revelation verse 3 and 20, excuse me, chapter 3 and verse 20, Here I am. I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with that person and they with me. That's a, a verse written to believers. It's not a salvation verse. Jesus isn't one to bust open the door. He doesn't operate that way. He doesn't force himself on you. He doesn't force his will on you. You can resist the will of God. You can stiff arm Jesus. No, Jesus is, is much more patient and loving than that. And thank God. He stands at the door of our heart and he knocks. And if we hear his voice, he says, and not just hear his voice, a lot of times we hear his voice, but we don't open the door of our hearts. And so he says, if you, if you hear my voice, if you hear what I'm saying, and I want to speak into your life, into your heart, and you open the door, I'll come in and I will bring peace with me. That's the picture of the, having a meal with Jesus. And so I think for 2023, this first day of a new year, I think for me, I've resolved that I just don't have the resolve to resolve things. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Here, I, you know, I haven't thought about this a lot, but here's my resolution. I just need to surrender more. I need to quit striving in my own effort, my own strength, doing the things that I always do, the way I always do them, as if through my effort and my strength and my ingenuity and my smartness, I'm going to have peace. I'm going to have victory. How many years will I do that before I realize this ain't working? Who will you look to this year to bring that, that peace in your life? To provide the victory over the trials and the struggles of your life. Who will you look to this year? Because I promise you it's going to be a temptation. You're going to look to the spouse. You know, I'm just going to endeavor to, you know, strengthen my marriage and, and then, you know, I'll be better. Or I'm going to really determine to, you know, get along with my family or, or I'm just going to determine to focus on my kids and, and make them behave. You know, I don't know, good luck with that or uh, raise them better, or whatever, you know, I'm going to resolve to do all these things, and that's all well and good, but who are you going to look to day to day?
One commentator says, look at Jesus. As the wonderful counselor, he has the best ideas and strategies. Let's follow him. As the mighty God, he defeats his enemies easily. Let's hide behind him. As the everlasting Father, he loves us endlessly. Let's enjoy him. As the Prince of Peace, he reconciles us while we are still his enemies. Let's welcome his dominion. Like the answer that kids give in children's church to every question the teacher asks, Jesus is still the answer, right? Jesus is the answer. He's knocking at the door. Will you hear his voice and will you invite him in to the innermost places of your life, to the deepest struggles, to the hardest hardships, whatever it is you're experiencing and will experience in the coming year. Endeavor to surrender to Jesus, the wonderful counselor, the mighty God, the everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. Thank you, Father, for the time of worship that you provided us here this first day of 2023. We don't know what this year will bring. It's very unpredictable. We cannot take confidence in anything in this life. People, jobs, government. The only faithful one, the only dependable one in all the universe is you, Lord. And my prayer is really directed at my own heart first. I need you more today than ever before. Lord, come into my life, come into my heart, to the areas of struggle that I know you know, and please bring me peace. I'm going to find my refuge in you, my strong tower. Pray for your protection of my heart and mind, that you will guard my heart and my mind in Christ Jesus. so that I just learn to trust you. Thank you for this opportunity, Lord. May we look to you more in 2023. By your grace and for your glory, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.